This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 541 with Allison Tedford. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 541. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Songfinch. Songfinch has a special offer for our listeners just this week. So this week, they are taking $50 off of all their songs. So songs that are usually $249 are only $199. And when you use the code SHAMELESS at checkout, you're going to save an additional $20. So you're going to get $70 off your perfect song for a loved one. That's just $179 for a gift your loved one will treasure forever. Go to songfinch.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's S-O-N-G. F-I-N-C-H dot com, code shameless. This episode is brought to you by Cubo AI. Cubo AI is the first smart baby monitor to apply artificial intelligence detection to babies' sleep, safety, and memories. To get $10 off your Cubo AI, go to getcubo, that's G-E-T-C-U-B-O dot com, and use the code shameless. 
Before we dive in today, mamas, I have a special invitation for you. So on Tuesday, May 11th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, I am going to be offering my business building workshop, three essential building blocks you need to grow your business. And this is a totally free workshop. It's going to be a ton of fun. I've offered it before, and this is the last time I'll be offering it with an invitation to join my Tenacious Mamas Business and Leadership Mastermind in 2021. So I'm only opening enrollment one more time this year for Tenacious Mamas, and it's coming right up. And here's the thing. If you have a business and you are wondering how to grow your business through building your audience or more clearly defining your offerings, becoming more visible, and really stepping into your confidence as CEO, which is so incredibly crucial and also very scary at times, then this workshop is for you. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking this all through, but you're going to leave with actionable steps that you can use moving forward, whether you choose to go it on your own or whether you choose to go ahead and apply for Tenacious Mamas, my business and leadership mastermind. So during this workshop, you are going to learn the three essential building blocks that you need to start and grow your successful business. And these might be things that you're already doing, but I'm gonna help you tweak them and pivot them and take them to the next level. Or they might be things that you have completely overlooked and that you can add into your foundation right now to build that stronger foundation for a successful and profitable business. We'll also talk about three ways to step into leadership and own your title as CEO. I have to tell you, whenever I take mamas through this exercise of owning their CEO title, so many things shift and so many things change. It is a game changer when you start to see yourself as the leader that you truly are. And then we're also going to talk about three common mistakes that entrepreneurs make that can cost you everything. I've been in this industry for 18 years. I've seen a lot. I've done a lot. I've made a few mistakes. And I want to make sure that you don't make the mistakes that I most commonly see made. And the ones that I have sometimes made myself and learned from. So go ahead and join us for free by signing up over at shamelessmom.com slash business. That's shamelessmom.com slash business. The workshop will be on Tuesday, May 11th at 4 p.m. Pacific. But if you can't attend live, still sign up because we will send out a recording shortly after so you can still get this awesome information, awesome content, and take it with you to grow your business. So that's shamelessmom.com slash business. Allison Tedford is an author, marketing consultant, and shameless mom from Abbotsford, BC, Canada. Her work has been published on Al Jazeera, CBC, Upworthy, and Today's Parent, and her debut book, Chronic Profit, is being released by Self Council Press this month, actually this week. I've been following Allison online for a couple of years now, and she's always stood out to me as such a powerful leader and a truth teller. She speaks up to share her perspective, even when it's not comfortable, sometimes when it's not popular. She is sassy and smart as a whip as she shares her experiences living as an entrepreneurial indigenous single mom with a disability. I deeply appreciate Allison's work and her voice, and I'm so honored to have her here today for this conversation. So listen in to hear Allison and share all the layers of her identity as an entrepreneurial indigenous mom with a disability and why she chooses to share her stories. She's also going to share the assumptions that people have made about her identities, the importance of inclusivity from the top down in organizations, how her disability has shaped her parenting, how she models asking for help to preserve her energy for the places she can have the most impact, which is such a valuable lesson for all of us. She's also going to share how she shares her indigenous culture with her son and how pain management can be a full-time job and how she manages that and is still ridiculously successful. Actually, in the last year, the most successful she's ever been entrepreneurially, and you'll hear her talk about this. She's like, oh, I wrote three books this year, and one of them was on accident. So Allison is a firecracker and such a fierce, shameless mom. And I'm so excited to introduce her to you. So with all that said, let's welcome Allison Tedford to the Shameless Mom Academy. 
Allison, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm super grateful and excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a really fascinating conversation because you are a fascinating person. And the reason I wanted to have you on the show is because every time you share something on social media, it touches me in a way. And so sometimes it's in a heartwarming way. And sometimes I'll be honest, a lot of times it's in a way that pushes me to listen and learn and grow. And which we'll talk more about as we get into the conversation today. But I'm just so grateful for the ways that you show up. And I want to also honor that the ways that you show up are often really vulnerable and personal and intimate. And that's not an easy thing to do. So thanks for being here. And thanks for being open just in all the ways that you are open. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. It's going to be good stuff. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Well, I mean, I'm a busy mom of a wonderful 13 year old. I get to do lots of really interesting work with all sorts of people in my marketing practice through social justice education, through the books that I write and through the publications I write for. So I get to do a lot of different things and currently I'm super excited about my book coming out next month. Tell us about the book coming out next month. It's called Chronic Profit, and it's about how to manage a business while you're dealing with persistent pain. Oh my goodness. Such an important conversation. And so what's fascinating to me is you just are you're sure, and this book is based on your personal experience, I'm guessing. It's a combination. It's my personal experience, but also I interviewed a lot of other entrepreneurs who have chronic pain or people who coach them or work with them in some capacity to get their feedback so that I have like lots of different perspectives. I love it. So you are someone, and we're going to be talking about working with pain and disabilities and things like that in just a minute. But what's fascinating to me is I watched you share on social media is that you are also a hustler. Like, and I don't know if it's just the timing right now, but like in the last couple of weeks, I feel like anytime you share something on social media, it's like this. And now I'm writing for this person or doing this. And it's like the momentum in your life right now just seems huge. Are you feeling that? Yes, it's definitely been wild. I mean, it was really interesting before the pandemic, things were slower and it felt like it was like an uphill battle all the time. And then within a few months of settling into things, there was just a huge amount of momentum created and it's just been carried through for the past probably eight to nine months. Do you know what you can attribute that momentum to? Well, a lot of it has been being willing to talk about the things that really matter to me and being a lot more open with my audience, being more consistent in frequency and depth of what I share and I mean, really, it has been a time where a lot of conversations are taking place around diversity and inclusion issues. And that's something that I did a lot of in the context of my work with the Canadian federal government for over a decade. So while I come at it from a Canadian, like Indigenous perspective, it's definitely been content that people have been really needing. So it's been timely to have that expertise. And also, I mean, (laughs) I think we're all going a little stir crazy right now. So I've also had some good entertainment going on. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, like just how, you know, things evolve over time. And the conversation for me that I keep coming back to, especially in this last year, which is like the only thing I want to talk to women about is identity. And this is how I've 
what I've seen from you and another, again, one of the reasons I wanted you to come on the show is you have been so open in sharing the ways that you show up in carrying different identities and you lead very proudly with those identities. And that has been really significant to watch. And it's, you're like this like quiet Facebook mentor for people like me, which I love. And I do see that you share yourself very completely and you don't shy away from sharing how other people's work or words may marginalize others. And I've seen you in conversation threads that in uh, there's one specific group that we're a part of where you will go in and you'll say like, hey, actually the way you position this question or the way you frame this is very, you know, it's exclusionary or it's offensive or it's whatever. And you spend a lot of time and energy participating in conversations like that, which I think is very admirable. And I have learned a lot. And again, I'm just really grateful. Can you talk a little bit about the identities that you carry and why you've chosen to share yourself so openly online? Um, so I'm Indigenous. My community is Kwakutl First Nation. And I have a disability. I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and another fun one called mast cell activation syndrome. And so I have those pieces and I'm a single parent. So I do that. Um, I mean, I co-parent with a, his dad and he's very involved in his life. So it's definitely not a one woman show, but um, definitely there are pieces of it that I have to carry on my own, which can be a challenge. Can you tell us a little bit about those? I'm unfamiliar with both syndromes you mentioned. Can you tell us just a little bit about what each of those part of your life? Yeah. So Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, there's actually like 13, 14 different types depending on the year and what the diagnostic criteria is. But basically, collagen is the building block of all the tissue and everything in your body. And my body just doesn't make it very well. It's not that there isn't enough of it. It's just very poor quality. So that means that some of my tissue is weak. And it means that my joints dislocate at random. And it just means that there's a lot of pain. Like I have all chronic pain. And mast cell activation syndrome is something that a lot of people with EDS will have. And basically when my body is under stress from too much heat, too cold, too tired, exposure to chemicals, exposure to stress, sometimes exercise, it will have like an inappropriate antihistamine or a histamine reaction. So an allergic reaction to stress. So I get this like rash across my chest and my arms and my face. And it feels hot like a sunburn, like a needling and it blisters. So it can be very painful to be under stress, which yeah. is a very difficult, stressful time right now. So I was just going to say, I can't imagine to have your body have a response like that to stress and stress is something that we can't control. I mean, there's so much about stress that we can't control. Of course, there's pieces of it that we can control to some extent, but I mean, in a pandemic, like that's all out the window, you know? Yeah. It's not an ideal time to be a single parent during a pandemic, running a business, writing a book. <laughs> like that's a little stressful, all of those things. <laughs> yeah. Why did you choose or was there like, have you been someone who's always shared led with your identities, the different identities that you carried, or was has there been a shift in the last year or so, or even beyond that, where you've decided to be, to lead in those ways and share your stories more openly and let people know, like, this is what it's like to be an indigenous woman or to be a single parent or to have multiple disabilities? I mean, professionally, I always did. I worked in indigenous services in the government for over 10 years. So that informed my perspective and the way that I 
did communications and and the work that I did and the work that I chose to do and the projects I would take on and the way I contributed to meetings and strategic planning in that way. But I started blogging probably seven years ago. Someone from my gym said, your Facebook statuses are so funny, you should start a blog. And I was like, that seems crazy. Nobody will read it. But I tried it and it was popular enough. And then I started writing for publications and what I found was that these publications wanted to share me to share those stories and that's what people were connecting with. So that's kind of what I've been bringing because it seems like what's what people need. Absolutely. I love, I also, I think that we often hold ourselves back. We think like, well, if I'm going to be a writer, I should write someone else's story or I should make something up. Or if I'm going to be a blog, it needs to be a blog that like, you know, serves other people's lives in a certain ways and to just show up and tell our stories can be so profoundly impactful to other people's lives and to other people's learning and to other people's growth. And it can also be, and I'll let you speak to this, whether or not this is true for you, but it can also be really eye-opening and very therapeutic and even healing for us to do, to share our stories as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely helpful to be able to externally process, but also what I find is that like, as I navigate the world, there are lots of people who have lots of assumptions about all of those identities entail. So I find it's being proactive in terms of changing the narrative around what it means to be indigenous or what it means to have a disability, what it means to be a single parent, just being able to have those conversations. And ultimately, like when we share our stories, other people can see themselves in pieces of it. And so often people are coming to content and the question they have is like, am I normal? Right? So being able to share those pieces authentically means that, you know, maybe somebody will see something and feel felt and feel like feel some level of comfort that, you know, other people feel the way they feel. And it, it just lets other people get it going first, right? It's, then they can just say yes, me too, if they don't have the words for what they want. Yeah. I love that you bring up for you to go first because I absolutely agree that people wonder if they're normal and they often think that they're not until they hear someone's story that resonates in some way. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I totally get that. And now I feel like I could talk about it as well because I don't feel like I'm the only one. And I think that's so significant. So yes, people want to, I love that idea about am I normal? And then I also wanted to go back and you said that people often make assumptions. And so for you to write, then you get to kind of potentially overcome those assumptions or bump up against those assumptions and challenge people. Can you, are you comfortable sharing assumptions that people maybe have made of you? Yeah. I mean, there are people who think that like they'll have their own identity, their own ideas about what it means to be indigenous. Like they think that there are certain benefits that we receive that are not based in reality or they have assumptions about sometimes they'll make wild assumptions about my substance use or what my upbringing was like, or what my parents are like, or how I feel about certain issues politically or spiritually. There's, Or there are other people who think that I've only gotten to the point where I am because of my identity, and that I'm just like riding the wave of employment equity. And so, I mean, that's been a challenge. And then in terms of disability, you know, people don't understand what it's like to have an invisible illness. People don't look at me and see that I'm sick. And so they'll make assumptions that I'm lazy or that I'm not hardworking or that I'm just whiny or 
when they, without context, a lot of assumptions can be made or like what my future could be or whether I'm able to be independent, whether I can support myself, whether I'm a liability. Like there's so many things that people assume when they don't know what my life is really like. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that's a lot to have to internalize and that you can share that list on like automatic recall speaks to probably how many times people have made assumptions about you and that you carry that with you. And I'm guessing that that also informs your work and probably motivates your work. Definitely. I mean, I, I feel like I'm in the thick of it because I'm meeting a lot of new people right now. Like I'm, you know, online dating. So I meet a lot of people in conversation and having to explain my context you know, in a brief overview, <laughs> it isn't terrifying. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit broken, but also hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I concur from knowing you on Facebook <laughs> and I wouldn't use the word broken, but like, I think that you do have this great ability. And I think this is like, this is the beauty, I think, of us sharing our stories and us being in touch with our trauma and our struggles and like all of the things is that we're also allowed to bring levity to it. And we're also allowed like I can share the story that's really hard. And also I can like laugh at myself around certain pieces. And I think those have to exist together. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, after working on very difficult topics for, you know, 10 plus years, you have to find ways to bring light to that dark. And otherwise, you just lose your mind. So it's really important to me to be able to laugh about things, you know, even if it's just like a cry laugh. <laughs> Absolutely. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever. And your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you. And you're like, they're learning right now. So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, 
IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I know that Indigenous people and people with disabilities are often overlooked or blatantly excluded from conversations. And I'm curious if you think there's a shift around inclusivity happening right now that's authentic and real and here to stay. Uh, Well, I certainly hope so. I definitely have seen a lot more effort towards inclusion. The fact that it's even a discussion point with the brands, like I work with brands that come to me and say, you know, like, we need to be able to talk about X, Y, or Z. We don't want to look like bandwagon jumpers. How do we have these conversations in an authentic, real way with our audience and show people that we mean what we're saying and this isn't just a performative thing? So the fact that people are coming to me about this and wanting to talk about it shows that there's there's a movement. And, I mean, we've seen examples of people who have done things that, have been either unhelpful given the circumstances or with the best of intentions have misstepped and the, some of the challenges that they face as a result of those choices. So I think there's a heightened awareness that it isn't just a nice to have to be inclusive. It's an expectation and that people need to figure out how to navigate that, whether they're going to reject the expectation or whether they're going to embrace it. And if they're going to embrace it, if they're going to do it on a surface level, if they're going to actually do the work. Right, right. Yeah. And I've seen you give feedback in conversations about that and feedback in different ways. And it's been really, really powerful. Who would you like to see more actively leading the change or actively leading the charge to make spaces more safe and inclusive? I mean, I would really love to see kind of more of that coming from the marketing space in terms of challenging clients to think more inclusively about their language, to really revisit some of the norms within the industry, to consider the way we talk about things that we can sell in a way that's more ethical. I mean, it's one thing to say that, you know, Black Lives Matter. It's another thing to look at, like, how are the day-to-day ways we are operating in our space supporting that? And in what ways are we showing that we hold that value? It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to live it. Yeah. And you mentioned before, like doing the work, it takes a commitment to long-term work for sure. And it's like a commitment to evolving from a company level or a company strategy level. It's like deciding that you're going to use resources in a certain way forever now versus like in terms of investing in certain ways or sharing things in different ways or building the company in different ways. Like it's an investment forever. It's not just like, oh, like for this few months, we're going to do a little campaign. Yeah. Well, the reality is, is that you create the expectation in your customer base with the language that you use in your campaigns. And if that isn't their experience with your brand, because it was just a tilt in your language, then they're not going to stay. They're not going to stick around. It's not going to feel authentic. So I have an interesting entry point as a marketing person, but also as a diversity and inclusion person to come in and be like, we need to shift your language 
so that we can be talking to people the way we need to be talking to them. But once you open that conversation, like in order to welcome somebody, you need to make your space ready for them. So this is really like it's one entry point for shaping the outside, but it needs to be reflected in the inside at the same time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is reminding me of an example I was having related to a school a school that was wanting to bring in more diversity among the student body and be more inclusive in the student body. And my argument was that you can't do that until you do that with your faculty, because I, my guess is going to be that parents, I'm a parent of a white boy, so like I am not the parent in this situation, but my guess would be that if the parents of children of color, when they're choosing schools, if they see an all white faculty, that's potentially not going to be their first school of choice because they're not going to assume that that's going to be the safest place for their child. If they see a school that has a lot more diversity and inclusion among the faculty, then that will be a huge consideration in terms of the school that they end up picking. Yeah, certainly having teachers that understand your child's worldview can be really important. Like, I'll never forget the grade five teacher my son had who shared my son's reading struggles when he was younger so he was able to select reading materials that would work best for what he was able to do. And he also shared, you know, my son's love of like being active and being outside. So, you know, he had a garden in the courtyard outside the classroom and they set up an exercise bike and wiggle chairs and like weekly field trips. We had weekly field trip forms where we just signed off that he could just take them off site and being able to tailor that learning environment to outdoors and movement was so key. Someone to be able to understand the challenges he had with reading was really important for him. I love that example. How do you share, I'm going to shift over to, you mentioned your son. How old is your son right now? He's 13. 13. Okay. You might've mentioned that at the beginning. (laughs) Forgive me. So how do you share your indigenous culture with your son? And where do you live right now? Are you up still up in Canada? Yeah, I'm in Abbotsford, BC, Canada. So it's kind of across the road from Sumas, Washington. Oh, I didn't realize you're so close to me. Yeah, it's just literally like I've walked before to pick up my packages. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're like practically neighbors. Now we have to meet in person once it's safe to do so. Oh my goodness. Definitely. I'm so excited. This episode is supported by Songfinch. I'm so excited to have Songfinch back as a sponsor. So I think we worked with them. I worked with them like two years ago, maybe. And this is like the coolest gift. So when was the last time that you got someone really special, a gift that they really loved, that felt deeply personal, that maybe even made them cry, probably made them laugh a little? Those really poignant gifts that just really stand out for people. If you can't remember and you're still thinking about that, or you know that you want to do something for someone special coming up, whether it's Mother's Day or Father's Day or a special birthday, I want to tell you about Songfinch. So this year for Mother's Day or Father's Day, give the parent that you love or your partner something super memorable that is filled with your favorite memories. Give them a Songfinch song. Think of it as a thank you for all this person has done for you. So creating a personalized song with Songfinch is easy. First, you visit songfinch.com and you share a few details that you love about whoever the song's gonna be for and some of your favorite things that you do together. And then from there, you can select how you want the song to sound. So you can pick like, pop or country music or folk or indie rock. And then the team at Songfinch will handpick the perfect professional musician to bring it to life in just seven days. So these musicians are amazing. They come from 
people from The Voice and American Idol, and they have over 2,005 star reviews on Trustpilot. So these are amazing artists. I'll tell you, I had Songfinch make a song for me, one of their artists make a song for me a couple of years ago. Holy cow, it was so touching. They made it for someone really special to me and the details that they included. So you fill out a little form and then they just fill in all these details in the song. And I'm telling you, like, it's the most touching gift that you can give. So don't give your mom another robe or mug or candle. Don't give your partner or your dad like another pocket knife. With Songfinch, it only takes 10 minutes to give your special person a gift that they will love and cherish forever. And here's the thing. Songfinch songs are usually $249, but this week they are $50 off, bringing them down to $199. And with the code SHAMELESS, you're going to save an extra $20. So that's $70 off this perfect gift just $179 for a gift that they're going to love forever. So visit songfinch.com. That's S-O-N-G-F-I-N-C-H.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS this week only for $20 off the perfect gift. That's songfinch.com, code SHAMELESS. So tell me, how do you share your indigenous culture with your son? And how do you keep that all alive in your family? Well, we talk about family a lot and I've been doing a lot of research and learning, like my great-great-grandfather and my great-grandfather were famous carvers who have work in museums around the world, and they have books written about them. So I've done a lot of research to learn more, and I share those things with him as I learn. He asks a lot of questions. We talk a lot about current events and how they relate. His school district is quite inclusive, like they have... Well, once upon a time when we were allowed together, we used to have quarterly family dinners. So it would be a buffet where we'd all grab food and then there'd be community resources available. They would recognize the kids in various ways. People got to share their culture and get what they need in community and spend time with their teachers, like that the principals would attend. And so my son got to have dinner with his principal, which was such a cool experience for him. So cool. So cool. How has living with a disability shaped your parenting? It's definitely required me to foster a lot of independence for him. Mm. I was curious about that specifically, actually. Yeah, no, it's like it's shaped our conversations around family contributions. Like, so I ask him to do specific things that I find physically challenging. But yeah, it's really, I mean, it, it shapes like it shapes how I ask him for help how much help I ask of him, how he watches me ask other people for help. And it also means like, because of my extreme stress reaction, uh, it means needing to be really proactive about communication to off, like to head off challenges and to really pick my battles so that I'm not freaking out about everything because my body just can't support that level of intensity. Yeah. Yeah. I've been really like interested in learning more about positive discipline and even including my son in those lessons and letting him listen to us talk about the techniques and what that involves so that he understands where I'm coming from when I'm talking to him about things in different ways. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that you that he sees you asking other people for help because this is something I think is so missing in motherhood is we don't ask for help at all, let alone like let our kids see us ask for help. And I also think that your son sees you asking for help and your son also sees you picking and choosing like I'm going to go after this goal that's going to have like deep impact in the world and I'm going to go write the book and write the articles and do these like really amazing projects. And also on the flip side, 
I'm going to ask for help. And my assumption is that you are having to constantly choose how to manage energy so that you can give energy to the things that matter most. And then I'm guessing that you're asking for help for the things that matter less so that you can preserve yourself for those things that matter most. Is that correct? Yeah. So I have a really nice lady who comes in once a week and she cleans our house and does all the laundry. And I order in restaurant meals. Like I get a bulk order at the beginning of the week from our local Greek restaurant. And I have like 10 meals that are sitting in the fridge that we can eat after dinner. That sounds amazing. (laughs) I want 10 meals of Greek food once every week. (laughs) Right? It's amazing. It's all individually portioned. So if he doesn't want to eat at the same time as me, he can just nuke something if he wants. And so he sees me asking for help in that way. He sees how I've adapted the way I work to adjust for what I have. And what he's done himself is like, I mean, he started his own little entrepreneurial pursuits and side hustles where he's like, I want to make seven dollars today mom what can I do and it's like we'll move those nightstands and you know drag those things over here or or he'll come to me and say I saw you got some online shopping I would love to take some pictures of your new clothes for you know thirteen dollars an image for your Instagram and so he's learning how to structure business make an offer assess needs and and just see how that works and play with it for himself That's amazing. I love that's so great. My son wanted to sell he like created this cardboard box and that was apparently a spaceship and he wanted him and a friend created it. And they wanted to sell it for $40 to like anyone in the neighborhood who wanted it. And they put it out on our front porch and our front porch is like way up the set of stairs and removed. Like if you walk by our house on the street, you can't actually see the front porch, but they set it out on the front porch and they're like, this is $40 for whoever wants it. And no one could even see it. And he like sat in the house waiting and waiting to see if anyone would buy it. And I was texting the mom and I'm like, these poor kids, like they want to sell this cardboard box for $40. But I was like, the entrepreneur in me was like, this is amazing. Oh, it is. It's so funny. And he knows like he went on a trip with some family friends and he's like, photos of my vacation will be available for purchase on my return. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> Love it. So good. So good. I mean, it does help. And I think this is like where we can go back and see these are the things that we're modeling. We can see how they rub off. I think we don't get to see that every day. And sometimes we feel like, oh my gosh, is anything I'm doing even working? And then you see something like that and you're like, oh, they're totally watching. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I know. I had a former partner make a comment about a woman that he knew who was building two different companies. And, you know, Liam just piped up and was like, my mommy helps lots of people build their brands. And I was like, I didn't think you even knew what I did. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh, so good. I'm curious, so how do you think you sharing these layers of your identity so openly, how do you think that will potentially impact how your son shows up in the identities that he carries? Um, Well, I mean, he's somebody who's very in tune with his feelings. Like he, they did a lot of social emotional learning at his school. He's shown like leadership in that area. Like when Father's Day, he was like, I'm going to get, I think we should get this flip book for daddy because it talks about feelings and then we can talk about how we're feeling. So yeah, so he, he really is all about that. He understands that, you know, that I'm trying to help people feel better with the work that I do. And he likes to do that too. I mean, he loves telling stories and he's a pretty funny kid. So I mean, I think he's learned how to make it work for him in a way that he's comfortable with in terms of what he's willing to share. 
I love it. So good. Does he also, is he interested in learning about his indigenous background and where he comes from and how that is a piece of him as well? Yeah. I mean, he's always, he's asked some really interesting questions as he's growing up around identity and how different things interface with it. Like, he got a new watch and he wanted to know if indigenous people wear watches. (laughs) It was just like, Oh my gosh. So he just asks the most curious questions about things. And he's interested in history. He loves like bite-sized learning about things. And so lots of little conversations. And it's, I mean, when he sees like the emergence of like indigenous TikTok and things, like he really is kind of like, well, I'm part of that too. And, and gives him a lot of pride to see people displaying their culture in that way. That's so great. I love you that you point out bite size information because I think that's like my tendency is like, I want to sit my child down and tell him all the things about a certain thing. And that's just not how an eight year old is going to absorb, you know, ideas and educational materials. But that's like how it works for me, not necessarily for him. So I love that you are like, yeah, like bite size information or bite size pieces of content for that's probably even more passive, like just little conversations here and there when you're on the go. And those are the things that ultimately actually really stick. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But Unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners 
on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, they do. And I know at one point, his one of his assignments for school was he had to talk to his parent about how they felt about Indigenous mascots. And so I was like, I feel like most people's parents don't do what I do. So this is going to be like a pretty different experience for all the kids in their class. But he was the only one who handed in a meme as part of his assignment. Oh, my gosh. So what was his can I ask what his take on it was? Well, I mean, he really didn't understand initially the complexities of it, but he was really interested to learn. And he's somebody who really cares about how people feel about things. And like, he's a bit of a peacekeeper and a people pleaser, and he wants people to be okay. You know, I mean, he's very aware of like people who needlessly make waves about things for the sake of being difficult. But he really likes to understand kind of like, what is a reasonable level of concern and like, what should this look like and what can we do differently and what makes sense? Yeah. What was your take on that assignment? Well, I mean, I don't appreciate Indigenous mascots at all. So we just had a good talk about why it's harmful, why it's hurtful, what things we could do instead. And, you know, if something is only a compliment, if it's like taken that way and don't get to tell people how they feel about how we portray them. Yeah, yeah. Were you impressed that the school opened up that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, we had specific challenges in our district this year where somebody had an assignment where they were, the kids were asked to list what positive things came out of the residential school system. So that was really horrific. And can you explain to people what the residential school system is for people who might not be familiar? So. Within America, it was the Indian boarding school system, but basically what happened was governments and churches had kids living at schools taken away from their parents under the guise of education, but it was really the intent and like the specific communicated intent was to remove the Indian from the child, to separate from their language and culture and modernize or restructure how they see the world and really separate them from their roots. And that also came with often physical abuse, sexual abuse, in some cases like literal medical experimentation, death. Like it was a really, really difficult, horrific, genocidal situation. And so the schools were making an assignment that like, let's talk about the positive things that came out of that situation. Yeah, one individual teacher used an individual resource that was, you know, they didn't have a standardized resource and somebody found some worksheet on the internet and decided to use it in their classroom. And, you know, indigenous children interacted with that content and were like their parents were horrified. And yeah. so I think there's been a concerted effort to really have more conversations in a proactive way with like the kids and their families about Indigenous issues because just wanting to make sure that kids understand what their parents' values are around them and 
Yeah. So, I mean, our, our district is really great about that stuff. That's so great. So significant. Can you tell us how your identities have shaped your work and your mission in the world? And I also have to say, like, I'm noticing as we talk through this, that how layered, like, there's no, and I think this is very true for many of us in different ways, but I'm seeing it so much in, as you're talking, that there's not a line between, like, your identity and the way you show up in parenting, or your identity and the work that you do, or your identity and, you know, what your son learns in school, that there's this overlap, it's all part of all of it. And it can't not be part of it. And which I think is such an important thing for all of us to remember about ourselves, but then also about the people we're interacting with. And so can you share a little bit about how your identities have shaped your mission? For sure. I mean, I have experienced having been excluded or feeling discrimination. And I've heard of like my family's stories around discrimination and racism and things like that. The work that I do is intended to help people not feel excluded, to help people feel felt and understood and welcome. So, I mean, that's a piece of it. It's really trying to model and expand the mental map of, of what, you know, an indigenous person can achieve and how they can interact with the world around them or, or what someone with, an, with a disability can do, what a single parent can do, like what contributions that I can make to the world is something that I'm really mindful of in terms of like the projects that I accept. And my other piece is that I look at the work that I do and I try not to undo work I've done in other areas. Like I used to be a volunteer peer facilitator for an eating disorder organization. So I don't work with the diet industry because I feel like I've done so much work with women who have survived eating disorders that I don't want to go and help anybody else acquire them. Right. So I try and like consider the work that I've done in the context of the projects I contemplate and make sure that, you know, that there's a fit from a values perspective and that I'm not undoing work I've done elsewhere. Oh my goodness. That's so significant. I agree. So I have this background in fitness and it's interesting when I get any prospects that come to the show for sponsorship for anything health related or like vitamins or supplements or anything like that. I'm always very like typically I'm just like no <laughs> I don't do that at all or I'm like I will do it only under these conditions if it's like for a certain product that meets a certain criteria that has no potential to do harm like there's all these layers because just like you said like I'm not going to contribute to an industry that I am so aware of can be so dangerous and damaging even if you have really great vitamins <laughs> so that's the thing it's like what language are you using to describe health how do you portray people how do you sell to people how do people feel when they walk away from your brand any of those things are icky i don't want to be a part of it absolutely i want to talk a little bit about managing pain because I feel like we haven't done that justice just yet. <laughs> and I know, and this will also lead us into your book a little bit. But so as a person who manages chronic pain, like we've alluded to, you're living with a disability, but we haven't talked about kind of the specifics about managing pain. I've had very limited instances in my life where I've had to manage chronic pain. And one of those times was when I was pregnant and I felt nauseous for like 13 weeks in a row, which is a very typical pregnancy situation. So I'm not at all thinking that I'm special in this, but it was awful. And I remember thinking it was hard for me to drive. Like I felt seasick the whole time and it was hard to drive and all these other things. And I remember thinking, I'm so grateful that this is short term, but this is so awful. I can't imagine what it's like to have ongoing, to have this kind of discomfort, whether it's 
you know, feeling nauseous or other kinds of pain from chronic, from disability or illness all the time. And so can you talk a little bit about pain management in terms of like how in your day-to-day life, how do you manage yourself in order to get through days and pain and not always knowing what that might look like from day to day? So I try to sleep as much as I can because that helps with healing and stress management, like having the emotional resources to deal with the day because if I don't have those, then I'm under more stress, which means I have more pain. So the more prepared I can be by sleeping a lot, by fueling my body, by staying hydrated, I take a lot of baths. Like I have like a one to two hour bath pretty much every day, which is really good for pain management. Like one of my clients um, is a midwife and she calls it mother nature's epidural. So that's super helpful. And I take CBD capsules to help manage pain and inflammation and also supports mood in terms of taking care of my own mental health and looking at you know, engaging with therapy or looking at what pharmaceuticals might be helpful because the more energy that I can bring to my day, the less arduous the pain will feel. I try to move my body as much as I can, but in ways that are gentle, joyful, and are not going to cause damage. So it's like a walk to the coffee shop or, you know, a kitchen dance party while I'm making breakfast or something. And really just having firm boundaries around what I will, what I can take on, what I can't take on and being willing to come back and renegotiate those boundaries as needed and mostly just trying to keep my stress levels as low as possible within the constraints of current life. Thank you for sharing all that. And my hope in you sharing that is that people can have an understanding that pain management is can be a full-time job. And so the things that you're talking about, like this is something that you are constantly, you specifically mentioned being proactive, but this is something that you are always having to think through in terms of how you lay your day out so that you can stay ahead of pain. Yeah. And even how I lay my house out, like do I keep maybe keeping my shoes on a second shelf in a closet so I don't have to bend down to get them or, you know, I have an adjustable bed so that I can work from bed if I need to in an almost seated position because it'll elevate my feet and my head and uh, like a heated mattress pad, like all of the things that I can leverage to address pain or I usually have like 8 million ice packs in the fridge because if there's a dislocation, I need to ice it. It's um, definitely just being aware of how to use temperature, um, sensation and basic self-care. The reality is like there isn't a treatment available for my EDS, particularly mast cell. I can be taking antihistamines proactively and to just always have them on board, but the prescription strength ones make you sleepy. So I have to make time to be able to take them. This episode is supported by Cubo AI. With an adorable bird design, Cubo AI is the first smart baby monitor to apply artificial intelligence detection to baby's sleep, safety, and memories. Cubo AI is the result of an IVF mom who couldn't sleep wondering if her baby was breathing. Have you been there? (laughs) We've all been there, right? When you first have your baby, and oh my gosh, especially those first few months, going to sleep as a new mom can be really nerve-wracking. And all that was made worse when this mom found her infant son with a bib over his face in the crib. And it dawned on her as a tech parent that there was nothing out there to help her 
manage her anxiety around this as well as make sure that her baby's safe. What if she was asleep and something happened? What if there was no sound to alert her of her child's impending danger? So she teamed up with her pediatrician, Dr. Ye, and a team of tech parents to make a change. And years later, this mom of two, Joanna Lin, is the co-founder and the CMO of Cubo AI Smart Baby Monitor, helping parents around the world keep their babies safe and sleeping better all night while capturing memories of those precious years. So Cubo AI has such awesome enhanced safety detectors. So they have all sorts of different ways that you can have keep safety alerts on your baby and on your phone at all times based on where your baby's at developmentally. So some of these are really crucial early on, and then you can turn them off if you don't need them later on. There's all sorts of ways that you can kind of play with the app and play with the technology to make it work for you based on where your baby's at. So they have covered face and rollover alerts, so you can get notifications sent right to you when your baby rolls over or their face is covered. They have crying alerts. So you can have sensitivity to sound be adjusted to avoid alerts from small cries and baby talk, but make sure that you do get notified if your baby is crying and actually needing some more imminent attention. Then they also have danger zone alerts. So I know when I, one of my close friends had her second baby, she had a little toddler and one of her biggest fears was being home with the two kids alone and trying to feed the baby and worrying that the toddler was going to go out the front door because this had actually happened one time and she was really nervous it would happen again. So they ended up putting these extra locks at the very top of the door that he couldn't reach. And it was kind of this whole production. And here's the thing with Cubo AI, she could have set up a baby gate or another system with babe, with uh, Cubo, where she would have gotten a notification before that child got to the door or if that door was open so that she would know immediately if anything had happened. So even if she had forgotten to lock the locks, she could have gotten a notification. And this could have created so much peace of mind for her. So Cubo AI has just greatly enhanced the ways that you can use baby monitoring to keep your kiddos safe in so many capacities in their crib and out of their crib. I want you to go check out what Cubo AI has for you because they do have so many fantastic options. So here's how you can check them out. Go to getcubo.com and use my code SHAMELESS for $10 off your purchase. That's getcubo, G-E-T-C-U-B-O, getcubo.com, code SHAMELESS for $10 off. And thank you so much, Cubo AI, for supporting the show. I so appreciate your work, and we always love supporting a woman-owned business. Anyone who shows or who follows you on social media would be probably shocked at the level of care that you just explained in terms of the care you have to take of yourself every day because you show up and share so many amazing stories of your success, especially currently. I'm just like every post is this new amazing opportunity. I'm curious if you can share a little bit about your approach to success with multiple barriers that you are facing on a daily basis and overcoming very routinely. For me, it's been really centered around the relationships and the people that I connect with, being part of community, looking for ways to collaborate. And it's really just been inconsistency, right? Like it looks overnight, but I've been writing online for seven years. I've been connecting with people so that when I come out with a book, I have people who are like, I have this publication that, you know, we can do a guest post on or let me introduce you to my podcast audience or let me send an email out to my list. So having those people, I mean, even looking at when I wanted to do the clothing line, like I shared a romper that I loved. And I was like, it'd be so cool to have a romper company. And one of my friends was like, well, you could totally do that. I'm like, that's crazy. I don't know anything about fashion design. And she's like, well, allow me to introduce you to my fabric person and my factory and my pattern maker and my trademark agent. And all you have to do is bring them your ideas. And so like, People will totally surprise you if you let them. 
Yes, I love that. I kind of remember watching that all go down on Facebook when you posted the super cute picture of the romper. And all of a sudden, like literally, I feel like it was 24 hours later, you're like, so now I have a romper company. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're in the middle of doing the um, the logo design right now. My sister's taking this program at Cornell to learn fashion design management. And probably it's going to be like spring, fall or winter, probably before we have anything available for sale because you have to do focus groups and establish sample sizes and then like a range of samples and like the level of planning. Like, I mean, you can work, do like a print on demand t-shirt and have something by 2 PM in the afternoon. But if you're like literally designing from scratch, it's quite the process. I'm amazed. I'm also laughing that when we started out, you were like, well, I write and I'm writing a book and I do these other things and help these companies. And also, P.S. Now half or now almost at the end of the conversation, you're like, and also I'm developing my romper company, <laughs> right? My coffee line, which just came out this week. Yes, I'm. This is this is what I'm so in awe of because there's so many things that you didn't even like. There's not even wasn't even space for you to mention them all, or not that there wasn't space, but it's just like all these. Oh, and by the way, also this other thing. And I think that it's just it's a beautiful example of you positioning yourself in a way that people want to connect with you. And also, you are very open to connecting and learning and being a part of things and leading and being and leading, um, leading the charge when it comes to advocacy and women doing powerful work and just so many layers. And I'm so grateful for that. And I think you're such a fabulous role model in all of that. Can you tell people a little bit about the book if they want to go get it? Like, who's the book a good fit for? The book is a good fit for, I mean, initially it's targeted at entrepreneurs who are managing chronic pain, but really a lot of the lessons are very applicable to anybody who just doesn't want to be taken over by their business and wants to leave space for whatever is important to them. Like, we're looking at general principles about how to build your business in a way that gives you time, space, and flexibility. So while it is a target market of pain and there are discussions around disability and self-care and, you know, the mental health side of those things, there's a lot of business lessons that anybody can find useful. Anyone who's struggling against anything where they're having to devote extra time to something that's distracting them from being able to be fully present for their business every moment of the day. I feel like it's an invitation to step back from hustle culture too. <laughs> Yes, it is very much, you know, we, one of the interviews that I had in there talks about the sick hustle and really like the reality of doing business in your pajamas from your bed and really normalizing that you do what you can from where you are with what you have. And, you know, and that you don't have to feel like this hustle culture often I feel makes people feel like they don't belong if they're not able to do those things. If you don't belong if you are a parent and have lots of caregiving responsibilities, or you don't belong if you're sick and you can only work four hours a day. Like, But this is something that's available to anybody. And the whole point of being in business is to build something that works for you. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I could not agree more. And I think sometimes we model our work after other people's work to do things a certain way that doesn't work for us. I've been very guilty of that. <laughs> So for sure, we think, I mean, we don't necessarily have the same resources then we don't necessarily have the same values. We don't necessarily have the same foundation, right? Like there are some people who maybe don't need to put too much into their show notes because they have extensive SEO other places. 
where somebody coming in might need to be doing things differently to build things the way they need to, right? Like the problem sometimes when we copy is we don't think about what other things they have in play that mean that they can, you know, do less in some areas and more in others. Absolutely. In what ways are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? I think in sharing my truth about what it's like and being honest about the things that where I fail and being willing to share that journey of parenting, you know, a really cool kid with the world and just getting to provide a different option for as a perspective and and show people that, you know, you can be sick and be a mom and you can be a businesswoman and you can be a mom and you can be part of a marginalized group and be a mom and you can be, you can bring all of those things and they don't make you less of a mom. They make you a more, like, it makes you an interesting mom. <laughs> right, right. It makes you more capable in so many ways because you have so many unique lenses through which you can lead and impact your children's lives. Well, and you really have to innovate. When you are coming from behind, you have to figure out a way to do things better, faster, easier. Right? Some people can do things the way other people do them and they don't ever explore anything else because they're not constrained. Once you introduce a constraint, you have to figure out how to overcome it. Parenting certainly provides lots of opportunities to put that into practice. 100%. <laughs> so good. So good. Oh my goodness, Allison, this has been amazing. Okay, so we're already to the end. I feel like we could have taken like, we covered a lot. And I also feel like we could have done a whole episode on a lot of different things that we we're only able to touch on. So you probably have to come back to the show at some point so we can dive deeper. But can you tell people where they can find you connect with you and get the book? For sure. So you can find me on my website is alisontedford.com. On Instagram and Facebook at alisontedford is my Facebook page, my Instagram handle. On Twitter, you can find me at Ali Spins. I used to teach pole dance. And that's just a nickname that came with me. And then my book, you can get, you can order Chronic Profit online through Amazon, Chapters Indigo, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, and you can ask your local independent bookstore to bring it in. So those are all options for getting your hands on it. It's going to be in print and ebook initially, and there will be an audiobook version released eventually, but I'm not, it may be six to eight months before that happens. Are you going to do the audio? yourself? Um, we haven't decided yet how the audio is going to work, whether the publisher is doing it or whether I'm doing it. The reason I ask is because you have a very soothing voice. <laughs> so I want you to do an audiobook at some point. It could be a different kind of a book. You could just tell a story about something, but you have a really great voice. Um, I used to be a telemarketer. And one time I voiced a commercial for a gym. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, if you don't get around to doing your own audiobook for this, like just add that to your other list of businesses to start and just do like other voice stuff. Yeah, maybe I could do like a like a, a guided meditation for motherhood. Yes. Oh my gosh, please do. I'll introduce do you know Katie Kremitzos? No. She has a whole women's meditation network. Her husband is Chris, I believe, Chris Kremitzos, and he is like he runs a mat, one of the biggest podcasting conferences that happens in the US annually. So they're big in the podcast world. But um, she in the Women's Meditation Network has multiple different podcasts for women. And she one time at one point wanted to collaborate with me. And I was like, Katie, 
I don't know if I can do meditations for moms because I talk way too fast. And so we like had me practice a little and it was hilarious. Like it's so not my zone of genius. And we both agreed. We were dying laughing, but we were like, this is not like Sarah is not allowed to ever lead meditations. (laughs) So I feel like if you want to do that, I'll put you in touch with her. I would love that. That would be amazing. No, I used to get like people to fill in long, boring surveys by phone. And I sell long distance to Americans. So amazing. Amazing. Um, when does the book come out or is it already out? It's out April 6th, but it's available for pre-order before then. Okay, cool. I will note all of that in our show notes. So people can go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Allison Tedford. Oh my gosh, Allison, I appreciate you so much. This has been a really, really fantastic conversation. And I want to just honor, you've shared all these layers of your identity and in ways that are really important and significant and also hard to share and that require emotional labor. And I just want to thank you so much for everything that you brought to this conversation. I deeply appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I really love what you do in the world. And I really have always admired you. So I'm just very excited. Oh, thank you so much. We'll have you back. We need to continue this conversation. Fabulous. Thank you. To all my business mamas, before you move on with your day, if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for my free workshop on Tuesday, May 11th, three essential building blocks you need to grow your business. You can sign up for free at shamelessmom.com slash business. That's shamelessmom.com slash business. And I will see you Tuesday, May 11th. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. 
but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.